When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented. And let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. Top of the hour here on the Daily Tip. It is a Monday, and the Monday after an incredible Super Bowl, we will spend most of the show reacting to the Chiefs' big win over the 49ers last night, including in this segment. We will crown MVP of the weekend, take a look at some of the other candidates across the sports landscape. If anybody can contend with Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, then at 720, it's on to more reactions from the Super Bowl. And listen, we've got plenty to dive into, whether it's the legacies that both teams now have coming out of the Super Bowl and what's next. Can the, uh, the, the Chiefs keep up this dynasty that they're actually building? And Jenks, the funny thing about the Super Bowl is that you get so many casual fans who normally uh-huh. don't watch football that you look at the game kind of through a different prism. And it's like the most surface level. But because we're so far in, these are not things that we're normally looking at. But I did notice this. One of my friends from college who is not a huge football fan, she texted me and she said, is Travis Kelsey always like this? And of course, she was referencing (laughs) when Travis Kelsey was screaming in the face of Andy Reid, which caught me by surprise and I thought how dare you do not dare bump that sweet old man uh because it looked like it kind of caught him off guard but I said no Mm -hmm. he's not normally like this but the craziest reaction I thought I had to last night was Travis Kelsey looks less likable than Taylor Swift like Taylor Swift was chugging beers oh yeah he looks nice (laughs) and during the course of the game I was like oh my god is Travis Kelsey the problem here? Have I been like going against the wrong person? Is Travis Kelsey unlikable? And granted, this was yeah. a tough situation. You know, the team was struggling. So it's not exactly yeah. fair to say, okay, you know, Taylor Swift was cool as a cucumber. Of course, she's not in the fire, to, so to speak. But were you yeah. shocked to see this? And do you think it's a red flag? <laughs> I don't think it's a red flag. I I do think that I was 
I was a little stunned. The the being passionate was one thing. Like bumping into Andy Reid, that's when I was like, hey, you're going to hurt this. This is a 60-something-year-old guy. He's off balance. You're going to knock him to the turf. He's going to break his hip or something. So I the passion I appreciate. I will say that the aggressiveness that was a part of that passion was a little disconcerting just because I sort of saw that come out of nowhere. We've seen Kelsey get upset before, though. If you look back at even earlier this year, what was that one moment when they were struggling and he was on the sideline and he just threw his helmet and just chucked it up against a bench or something, and then finally he calmed down? Even for him, however, yes, you are correct. Like This was, this was a lot. So I don't know how much you can take for, from that because it's hard to – it, it's hard to know how much of this translates off the field, right? You hear about this all the time with different competitors where, hey, when this guy's on the field, he's a completely different person because he or she wants to win. And then off the field, oh, he's a big teddy bear. But you never know. You see an outburst like that and you're like, oh, God, it doesn't look so good. So I understand where that comes from, but I'm sure I bet it's fine. Yeah, take you know your other knowledge of Travis Kelsey out of this for just a second. If you were yeah. watching a game and somebody was like, hey, that's so-and-so's boyfriend. You should watch for him. And then you see him flash on the screen. He's screaming at somebody. You're like, uh-oh. <laughs> it's, not, it's not great. It's not great. I think you just do have to take sort of context into, into account here and say, look, they've worked all year long. It's the Super Bowl. He just wants to score. We have enough. We have enough of a sample size to know that he's a good dude, or at least seems like. Here's the thing with pro athletes: like, what do we know? Do you know what I mean? Like, we all mm -hmm. think we have a good idea about what these guys are like in any sport, but do you really know? That's what's. That's what's one of the fascinating things about covering sports for a living is that you think you have an idea about how someone is, and sometimes you meet that person and you're like, oh wow, pleasantly surprised, or just like I thought it would be. And then sometimes you're like, wow, that was a massive disappointment. You really, you really don't, you really don't have a good gauge on what these guys are like in their personal lives. You just kind of have to take a guess based on the behavior that you see, but you never really know. Yeah. What was the tagline from, was it diary on MTV? You think, you know, but you have no idea. This is MTV's <laughs> diary of Travis Kelsey. Please tell me that somebody understood that reference. That was a good show back in the day. But you're right. But it just shocked me because for all of this time, I have thought that Travis Kelsey was like this golden retriever guy that never gets mm -hmm. mad. He's kind of mindless, but he never loses his cool. So it was just kind of weird to see, especially to Andy Reid. Like it's one thing yeah. if you're doing it to Kadarius Tony after he makes like a boneheaded decision, but don't. Andy Reid, how dare you? All right, so maybe that was not the best of the moments from the Super Bowl, but we had some great moments over the weekend as a whole. So let's dive into them now and do a little MVP Monday. Here are your nominees for Monday MVP. MVP! Happy post-Super Bowl, everybody. Uh, hello, hello. Uh, I, I think my my only MVP this week is going to be the Gatorade because I picked purple and it was purple. So that's it. 
That's all I'm going to say about that. <gasps> well, why'd you hold that back from us? You didn't tell any of us. I d- honestly, honestly, I did not. Uh, I wasn't planning on betting it, but a frequent guest to our show over the last couple weeks said that he got a little inside information. So I said, what the heck? Let's play a little purple. Oh, yeah. And let's go for it. And it turned out to be purple. So I'm going to listen to said guest. And you didn't share with the class. MVP of the weekend is not you, David. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. With Especially with as much money as I lost this weekend. I'm okay with not being the MVP. But we do have four great candidates. Nominee number one, Harrison Bucker. There's a high snap. He drives it through to send the game. No way it ends like this, does it? To overtime. Butker's kick is good. (laughs) Chiefs Butker kicked a 29-yard field goal with under 10 seconds left to go to send the Super Bowl into overtime. Butker also kicked a Super Bowl record 57-yard field goal and finished the game a perfect 4-for-4 on field goals and made his only extra point. Number nominee number two, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs. And now set up in the red zone. Trying to take the lead. Mahomes goes for it right away. Wide open. Touchdown. Valdez Scantling. Third and a football. Not a big deal now unless you don't get it. Go up top. Mahomes cradles it and goes down to the 13-yard line. First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! Mahomes goes 34 for 46 for 333 yards and two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, leading Kansas City to their third Super Bowl title in the last five years and the first team to go back and back, back to back NFL championships in 20 years. Nominee number three, Jeremiah Williams. Rutgers University. You got to be ready to play when you come to Jersey Mike. There's Williams. He'll float and score. There's Williams. Left it short. Puts it up and it'll count. Largest margin of victory ever over a ranked team. It's over. Williams had 18.7 assists and five rebounds as Rutgers knocked off number 11. Wisconsin 78-56. Williams was playing in his first in his third game and first home contest after missing 709 days with an injury and NCAA suspension. The 22-point margin was the largest in Rutgers history over a ranked opponent. And nominee number 4, Steph Curry, Golden State Warriors. Pajemski has it. Here come the screens. Curry comes free. Gets the ball, puts up a three-pointer. Bang! Steph Curry nails the three-pointer with seven-tenths of a second remaining. More Curry chaos. His ninth three-pointer. He's got 30 points. Curry hit his ninth three of the game, a 33-footer, with less than a second on the clock as Golden State knocked off the Suns on Saturday, 113-112. Curry finished with 30 points as the Warriors won their fourth straight game and have won now won six of their last seven. So, Jenks, who 
is your mm-hmm. Monday MVP, and you can go off book if you want to. I can't go off book, Double D. I'm not smart enough to do that. You just put words in front of me like Anchorman, and I just read them. You know, you got to go Patrick Mahomes, don't you? Don't you? I mean, maybe you don't. Steph was unbelievable. If it weren't the Super Bowl, I would go Steph because he was just lights out in that game. But when you're talking about solidifying a legacy, when you're talking about solidifying yourself as already one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and then you add to it, and also you don't play your best game early on, but you find a way late, which is what all of the greats do. That's what Patrick Mahomes did. And so it's not... It's one of those picks where you're like, oh, it seems like such an easy answer, but who else are you going to go with here? He was unbelievable last night, finding a way, even when it looked like early on, he might not have his best game. And again, that's what legacy quarterbacks do. We've seen this again and again and again for Patrick Mahomes. He never ceases to amaze. I got to go with old Patty. Yeah, it has to be Patrick Mahomes. Like nobody's legacy is being established in the NBA in February. And Steph Curry will say that himself. Steph Curry is amazing, not because what he's doing in regular season games, but because of the championships he has won. Same goes for Patrick Mahomes. And albeit, it was not the best game of his career. And in the first half, didn't look great. Even came out of the half and threw an interception pretty swiftly, I might add. If you thought there was any moment, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, things might be over for the Kansas City Chiefs. But this is the position where Kansas City really thrives. When they're underdogs and even when they're trailing, you know, in some of these big-time games. And that's why it is impossible to count out Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. What did he say after the game? The Kansas City Chiefs are never underdogs, even though the books would disagree. And this is the spot where Patrick Mahomes has been the MVP for betters. Now improving to 11-1-1 against the spread. MVP of the weekend has to go to Super Bowl MVP and MVP of the betters, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, unbelievably great choices, Chelsea Jenks. Oh, here we go. But you're both wrong. It is linebacker Leo Chanel from the Kansas City's Chiefs. And you want to know why he is the MVP? He not only forced the fumble in the opening drive of the game for the Chiefs, but he also blocked that PAT. And without blocking that PAT, you can make an argument that the Chiefs do not win this game. Well, I agree yeah. that these were big, big turning points, but there's a reason that Patrick Mahomes won Super Bowl MVP. Because quarterback is the most important position on the field. And this year, as opposed to like some of the other years, well, I don't even know if that's a good argument to make. This team would not be here without Patrick Mahomes. He feels irreplaceable to me. And if we're talking about Super Bowl great performances, are we going to give any credit to Harrison Butker? Like, he does deserve some. Like, these are not chip shots. And it sucks for Jake Moody because for like an hour and a half, he had the longest field goal in Super Bowl history sitting at 55 yards. Then Harrison Bucker's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to hit a 57-yarder and our team's going to win the Super Bowl. So I believe if we're giving honorable mention points, we need to spread some to the kicker, Harrison Bucker. Bucker was awesome. Poor Jake Moody finally hits one like you were talking about. Man. 
Yeah, man, I had the Super Bowl record for a little over an hour. But Butker has become, and not just in the Super Bowl, too. That's the thing. Like, Butker has been automatic just throughout the entire postseason. I don't know how many consecutive field goals he has hit from 40-plus. But when you have such a weapon like that, especially in a tightly contested game, you're right, Chelsea. He deserves plenty of credit. Well, and look at some of the dynasties. Like, when the Patriots were good, didn't they have Adam Vinatieri? Like, these are the unheralded superstars that put the teams in the position to win because without those field goals, look at how close the final score was. They wouldn't have won the game. So people love to say, well, it's their job. Uh, it's not that easy. In the Super Bowl, with all of the pressure on the line, these are not easy kicks to make. So a 57-yard field goal in the Super Bowl, hats off to you, Harrison Bucker. You deserve some credit as well. All right, on the other end, we are reacting even more to the Super Bowl. The dynasties that are at play now after the Super Bowl. Can we put Patrick Mahomes in the same? Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by Bet MGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM, with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Wake up, people! It's time to rise and shine, and it's time to dissect what we saw in the Super Bowl last night. Legacies on the line, failures and disappointments on the other. Because that's the sad part. Is When you see the winning team celebrating, you always see the opposite side because the cameraman know what they're doing. They say, hey, let's get a zoom in of Kyle Shanahan's face. And you're like, oh. As a mom, I always just like want to go give him a hug. I think this is the hardest part of also (laughs) watching March Madness because it's college kids and it feels like they take it way worse than some of these professionals. But it never ceases to amaze me the amount of emotion that we see from these grown men Jenks, does it ever make you a little emotional when you're watching the national anthem and the tears are just streaming down the faces mm-hmm. of some of the largest men you've ever seen? <laughs> yeah, I think what it does is just speaks to it just speaks to how much work these guys put in to get to this moment. It's like anything else, honestly, where you you get fooled by because you see these huge like monster athletes and mm-hmm. you tend to think of them as these emotionless robots going around beating the crap out of each other. But ultimately, the work that goes in, we are constantly working during the offseason, during the season, you're fighting through injuries. And then when you're in that moment, the ultimate goal is to play in the Super Bowl, right? And imagine if you played football your entire life, which most of these guys have, or at least close to it, and then they're sitting there, it's quiet, they're listening to the national anthem, and they realize, I'm about to play in the Super Bowl. And you you think back of all the times you probably imagined that when you were playing football, even as a kid, and it hits you in that moment. And look at all I've been through. Look at how hard I've worked, and here I am. I would imagine it's a very powerful moment for those guys having put in, again, the exhaustive work it takes to be a professional football player. Well, and also this is when legacies are made. You can have a great career in the regular season, but still what Mm -hmm. makes you immortal in the world of sports is how you perform at the highest level. And if you win a championship, 
I would guarantee you at least 90% of players would say, if you asked them, what's one thing you want to do in your NFL career? It would not be some personal milestone. It would not be, you know, some individual accolade. It would be to win a Super Bowl. You know, that's why you play the game. It is a team sport and you want to win a ring. Literally the only thing I can think of that's, you know, maybe on a higher stage would be the Olympics. That's when I get really mm-hmm. emotional, like seeing the people who win the Olympics, because that's only every four years. These are people, you know, who the timing has to be right with them being in their prime. And it's so much, you know, lead up into one single race, because I always think of swimming because I was a swimmer and it's one single mm-hmm. race that defines your entire career. It's a crazy amount of pressure. And then on the flip side, some of these guys are going to be mulling over this game for the rest of their lives and not in a good yeah. way. Like I was thinking about, I think it was the Niners player that off the, it was either the punt or the kickoff. I think it was a punt where he hit it with his foot and then the other guy tried to get yeah. it and he did not And then the chiefs had excellent field position. <sighs> I feel for guys like that because I will say these moments will eventually make them stronger because Patrick Mahomes himself, you know, has had sure. one of these moments where in the biggest of moments, he failed and he looked bad. That game against Tom Brady and the Bucks, he had one of the worst games of his career. So moving forward, how do you think the Niners players respond to this? Oh, it's going to be tough because they were talking last night after the game and and it makes sense, right? They were saying we only have so many chances to win one of these things. And that's what is so special about what the Chiefs are doing because it looks like the Chiefs are just going to keep getting back Ugh. and they've already won it, you know, which I know sounds crazy, but they are they are built to keep doing that. Are the Niners? Maybe. They're already the favorites for next year's Super Bowl, if that's any consolation. But ultimately, they know how hard it is. And all of these players know it's difficult just to get to the big game, much less win it. So we, we tend to take for granted when we think about dynasties, we think of some of these guys who have been there and done that so many times and they're setting records and they're building their Hall of Fame resumes. Most players in the NFL don't make Super Bowl. They'd be thrilled to get to the playoffs or super, much less get a win. And so the Niners, being sort of a veteran squad, know how difficult that is to do. And I wouldn't say time is running out on them, but I will say it's difficult because I I I took away from the game last night that – the Chiefs, I suppose, are the better team, but it's not like they completely outclassed the 49ers. The Niners no. could have easily won that game. No question. And they yeah. know it. They know it. There mm-hmm. was that punt return, that muff that was sort of an accident. Christian McCaffrey fumbled. So they played well enough to win. They didn't, but they will kick themselves for some self-inflicted mistakes there. But they they belong. There's no question about it. And they know it. I do think that it's got to be... A little bit of a gut punch knowing that you are alive and playing in the same time as somebody who is going to be one of the greatest of all times. Like, is this how NBA teams felt when they were going against Jordan? Like, who was his normal combatant? Like, was it Charles Barkley? Like, who was always going against Michael Jordan? Like, what, what were some of the big name players that probably looked across the way and they're like, God, did I really have to be playing basketball in this era? It was probably John Stockton and Carl Malone. They could not get oh, past the Jazz. And, yeah. yeah, the Jazz. And and Charles Barkley, too. People forget that Chuck was just an absolute badass of a basketball player. But they ran into 
Jordan. And I remember Steve Kerr, this is the best description I've ever heard of, of what it was like to play against Jordan because Kerr, of course, played with Michael Jordan on those Bulls teams. And he was saying, you don't understand when they, people feared Michael and they knew when he showed up, like, like Jordan's here. Like immediately teams had to get over the hump of Jordan's here. We're not going to win because he just doesn't lose these games. He doesn't lose an NBA finals. Like MJ's here. It's, there's a difference between saying, hey, we, we got to slow this, this guy down tonight because he's the best player in the league as opposed to we're, we're scared of this guy because of how good he is. And, and there's no, through no fault of, of Charles Barkley or those jazz teams or the teams that have gone up against these, these Chiefs juggernauts, sometimes you just run into generational players that are just almost impossible to beat or you have to catch them on an off night, whatever it may be. Maybe there's an injury. Jordan retired midway through his career, and that opened the door a little bit for some other teams. But when it comes to – when we look back at this era for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, we're going to see guys like – I think we said this last week – could be a Josh Allen, could be a Joe Burrow, could be a Justin Herbert. There's going to be a great quarterback that doesn't want to reign because of Patrick Mahomes. I will say I do think football is more of a team game than basketball, you know, because there's only five mm-hmm. guys on the court at once. And I think that's reflected in this. The fact that the NFL – has only had one three-peat champion in the history of the NFL. And, like, I don't know if this includes, like, the AFL merger, you know, but, you know, we have not had a three-peat champion in quite some time. The last time that I'm seeing here is the 1965 through 67 Green Bay Packers. And immediately I thought, wow, the Patriots with Tom Brady didn't have a three-peat? That's almost crazy to me because if there was ever a contender for it, it would have been – the Patriots, but even they didn't do it. And that is one of the best, you know, dynasties of at least my lifetime. So I think it shows just how hard it is to repeat in this era. So, Jenks, do you think the Chiefs have what it takes to possibly get a three-peat? It's certainly possible. And look, these guys were already talking about it last night. Patrick Mahomes, after the game, said... Yeah, I'm going to go back. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to enjoy this win. And then I'm going to get back to work because I'm trying to three-peat. Even Kelsey was saying that. These guys are hyper-motivated to continue making history. And they know that they're on the precipice of, of being able to do it because it hasn't been done before. I, man, everything has to fall the right way. Remember, as much mm-hmm. as it may seem like, oh, of course the Chiefs are going to three-peat. We haven't seen a back-to-back winner in 19 years. That was the Patriots. So, the idea, I think we're going to see a lot of people lean into the idea, oh, it's the Chiefs. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Even Tom Brady never did that. And look, is it possible? Sure. But a three-peat in the National Football League, we just you just don't see it. So I would bet against it based on recent history, but certainly at the same time, you learn a lot of lessons when you bet against Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I think a lot of people were shaking their heads. I think that was the craziest yeah. part of last night is that I felt like I bet on the Chiefs simply because I was afraid to go against them. Like, it wasn't my full unwavering confidence in Kansas City, especially against this Niners team. It was just like, okay, they have a generational talent at quarterback. This is the most important position on the field. Do I want to be sitting here with two minutes left in the game and be worrying about like, oh, no, they've got the ball. This is how it ends, isn't it? And we, you know, that's how the game ended. So I think when you have somebody like that, it can be really tough to bet against him. 
But here's a question I have, and I know you don't work at a sports book, and I'm not expecting like a super sharp answer here, but mm-hmm. do you think if we are put in this position again, that Patrick Mahomes will be a Super Bowl underdog in near future? Like, I feel like I would be super nervous. Like, I know the books don't work on emotion, but still, mm-hmm. you've got to think if they give Patrick Mahomes points in the Super Bowl again, yeah, they got to be feeling nervous. Oh, my God. Well, the books took a bath last night, by the way. The Chiefs and overtime were both, like, the worst results for the book because I believe I believe going to overtime was the biggest liability for the books, like 11 to 1 at some places. So, A, that happens, and then they desperately need the Niners, and then the Chiefs win. So, last night was a massive night for the public, and I – I think you're right. I think it'll be a long time before even in this spot we will see we will see Mahomes as a dog. And and here's the thing too, Chelsea, is all of this is based on is based on a sample size, based on numbers. Mm-hmm. These are computers that are spitting out, you know, all sorts of different outcomes. And at what point can you take something that you can't measure into account? Do you know what I mean? where mm-hmm. there are some players who just have it. There are some players who have a way of rising to the occasion, and you can't – you can say, of course, that this quarterback means X amount of points to this club, and no one means more to his team than Patrick Mahomes. But what this clutch gene or ability to perform when it matters the most, that's something you can't really quantify, and yet you do have to take into consideration if you're going to bet for or against the Chiefs. It did feel like Chiefs betters were an interesting like bell curve of the most simplistic casual football fan saying, don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. And then like you have this big bell curve and then you have people who actually follow the game and say, okay, well, the Chiefs have a good defense. There are all these other reasons, but at the end of the day, you don't bet against Patrick Mahomes. But I will say before the game popped off, there were some big bets on the Niners, even over a bet MGM, there mm-hmm. was a confirmed million dollar bet on the Niners money line. There were three <laughs> confirmed million dollar bets on the Niners money line across several sports books. So Jenks, it did feel kind of like, I'm not saying that a bet is sharp just because it's a million dollars. It could be somebody yeah. who's with a lot of money to play with, but it did feel like a lot of quote unquote sharps were on the Niners. But my takeaway is it wasn't, it didn't feel like there was a right side in this game. Like, I know it'd be yeah. really nice to sit here in victory lap saying, oh, the Chiefs won, told you so. But when a game <laughs> right. goes to overtime, can you really victory lap? No, I mean, you can celebrate being a... Look, The let's put it this way. If you pick the Chiefs, like, good on you. Congratulations, because you're on the right side. But the idea that... don't Just don't play into this this revisionist history idea like the Chiefs didn't need a a field goal to send it to overtime and regulation. Like they mm-hmm. like there weren't times in that game where if the Niners don't commit those mistakes, maybe they they win this game. Look, the result is the result. So if you're on Kansas City, you're a winner this morning. But as far as victory lapping and acting like this was some sort of easy bet, like easy winner, like <laughs> absolutely not. This could have gone either way. We hardly ever see Super Bowls go to overtime and – it, 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 it truly, it, if we had if we had started this show and said the Niners are world champions, that would have made sense to me. If we 
Obviously, the Chiefs are the world champions. That would have made sense to me, too, because both of them had chances, plenty of chances to win this game. But the idea this was an easy pick is a misnomer. No, it was definitely a close game. And definitely when it goes to overtime, you've got yourself a thriller. For me, maybe this is a recency bias. I think this is one of the better Super Bowls in recent history. Do you think so? Uh, At the end, yes. Through three quarters, I thought this was a pretty bad Super Bowl. I thought it was interesting, but it was a little boring because ultimately it was sloppy. There were a lot of penalties. There were some turnovers, and both defenses sort of dominated. Now, the fourth quarter into overtime sort of turned things around as far as my perspective on this game, but it took a while. It took the fourth quarter and the extra session of this game to really get going, I felt like. Yeah, but it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And what a finish we had in Super Bowl 58. For me, I think it's one of the better Super Bowls I've seen, especially with the halftime show. I was a big fan of Usher. So for me, it's going to go down as, you know, one of my favorites. Coming back after the break, the headlines you might have missed over the weekend. uh, We'll keep you updated uh, next on The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Off and running. Make that coffee extra strong today because, of course, it's the Monday after the Super Bowl. We are just as thrilled to be awake as you are. But at least we have plenty of good things to talk about. Uh, Jenks, in a few minutes, we'll go over the headlines that we saw across the sports world that weren't the Super Bowl because other things did go on. And I knew this because I was forced to watch. I was forced to watch the Phoenix Open until mere moments before the Super Bowl kicked off. Because, you know, my oh. husband loves golf. I'm like, sweetie, yep. the Super Bowl's on. Can we please change the channel? He's like, no, it's getting down to the wire. So that golf tournament lasted into the Super Bowl. So he had his iPad open, and he was watching golf. Like, uh-huh. one would think that, you know, having me as a wife, and you're like, oh, your wife loves sports. No, we still argue over the TV because he never wants to watch football. He wants to watch golf. So I feel like we have the same problem as every other couple. It's just a little different because I want to watch football, normal people sports. And he's like, yeah, but I got some money on Charlie Hoffman. You know, everybody wants to know if Charlie Hoffman's going to win the waste management. So Jenks, do you ever have this issue with Catherine where you guys like fight over what to watch? Is there something that she watches that you hate watching? I mean, one thing that I won't watch... I mean, I will say because of our schedules, we get plenty of time on our own. And we're pretty mm-hmm. good about it because I'm, I'm, I'm sort of hyper aware because I obviously watch a lot of sports and Catherine will watch with me. But I'm also hyper aware like, okay, I can't dominate the weekend. I know she doesn't want to watch all this. So once, I'm, once I've watched what I needed to watch or enough where I feel like, okay, I can do my job, then I'll say, okay, what do you want to watch? Let's let's fire up Netflix, Max, whatever. So Hulu, whatever it is, so that you can pick out something and we'll pick out a movie together. The one thing that I won't watch though is I will not watch something like Vanderpump Rules 
or it's a new any, season Jenks. oh i know god have you had to watch any, any of it i watched like 10 minutes and i was sitting there and i was like oh my god i am so i'm getting dumb right now i don't even know who these people are anything that's reality based like this where i feel like people are famous just for being famous if you know what i mean Mm-hmm. sort of hear that expression from time to and i know there's a backstory there i'm not saying there's not but ultimately a lot of these reality stars are famous just for being reality stars and that is something that i just don't have a lot of tolerance for because i feel like my time is valuable at least when you have a crazy sleep schedule like we do a crazy schedule it's like listen i got two hours here i'm not watching a bunch of people i don't know yell at each it was a real estate show out in california and selling all sunset. these women yes i watched that sunset. one too That's a- Okay, there's another one. And they are all sitting around a dinner table a couple weeks ago and just all snipping at each other and fighting. And I thought, why am I watching? I cannot watch this. I'm going to go read a book because I thought, I don't know these people. And it's just pettiness after pettiness. That I, I don't, I can't handle. I think it does, as somebody who does watch those shows, because I need some kind of break from sports occasionally. Yeah. And that one feels like you don't really have to pay attention. It's not like the plot's super intense. But I will say, sometimes they make me irrationally angry because I'm like, I'm part of the problem. I'm why they're making Mm -hmm. a bunch of money for having no talent whatsoever. And I guess you could say, okay, at least on Selling Sunset, maybe they're selling houses even though they've like right. proven that they're actually not really selling many of these houses. Uh, they're strictly just reality stars that are kind of cosplaying mm-hmm. these uh, realtors. But yeah, I get what you're saying. But here's the thing. Like I am a golf fan, but I am a casual golf fan. Like I want to watch mm-hmm. the majors. I want to watch the masters, which, you know, they started showing the commercials for that. I'm all on board. But the waste management, like I don't need to watch all four days of it. Because that's the thing. (laughs) We watched every single minute, every single minute in our house this weekend, the waste management was on. And I will say at least this tournament has, you know, some funny cutaways because this is like the drunkest tournament of them all. And there were some golfers complaining. And here's the thing. If this was Augusta, I would totally be with you. This is not the normal fan behavior. But when it comes to the waste management... This is what you expect. This is the largest gathering of, you know, like 25 to 35 year old, you know, like D bag guys, I think in the country, like you see them drinking. It's like the Brad's and the Chad's and all of them. And that's fine. But like, you've got to come to expect this from a tournament where this is their calling card. Do you think these golfers have a right to be mad at some of the circumstances? Yeah, I think they should be really pissed off, honestly. I'd be very angry. Here's the thing. It can be a party. It can be a good time. It can be wilder than a lot of different tournaments out there. But when you're yelling while guys are trying to swing, then you're crossing the line where, dude, like, why even come and compete? Like, Why would I go to the Phoenix Open and play in a tournament where okay, fine, there's a great atmosphere. It's going to be wild compared to most tournaments, but I can't make a backswing without someone yelling and trying to distract me. Then you're crossing over into the the etiquette of golf. And I'm not some sort of hardcore rules stickler, but nobody likes it when you're about to take a swing and someone yells something or does something inappropriate or tries to make you miss. Golf is hard enough. So 
what they need to do is find a balance between, yeah, we can have this party atmosphere. Yeah, this can still be the, the craziest golf tournament on tour with fan behavior, whatever. But when you're crossing, when they're having fights in the gallery, like seriously, when people are fighting each other and some of the biggest names in the sport are glaring and yelling at the fans, then it's not even a, it's, it's just a free for all. Like, is this a professional event or what? You're crossing over into it being some sort of get together with a bunch. These are still pros. They still want to win. So I think that they've got to do a better job of at least curbing behavior to a point. Right. Especially when they're yelling during the backswing. Cause like, I think that's one of the unwritten rules of golf is that you don't yell when somebody's in their backswing. And here's what sucks that some of these people might ruin it for the rest of us. Because if you have ever watched a golf tournament in person, you get incredible access. Like you can be right up next to the golfer. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the more entertaining things about going to these golf tournaments in person. So if this continues to be a problem, they're not going to offer access on the tee box. You know, they're just going to say, okay, well then we're going to have to have like a 90 foot or a hundred foot radius around to where we don't have these, you know, unruly fans yelling things at the golfers and i do think this is just only at phoenix because this is you know the wasted management it kind of has the moniker of doing so uh but you got to draw some lines you know just yell but not during the backswing uh but you know this is the reputation uh, of the wasted management uh that's why the term is that but we'll see if it irons itself out i just don't know how to fix it because have you ever tried talking sense into drunk young men? It's very <laughs> difficult. Oh, well, you're, you're not going to do that. They, they've got to do something. And Matt was putting this in the chat that they've been promoting beer sales or had been promoting beer sales all week on 16. And it was a wild scene there. So you can do that, but they're going to have to do something where there's kind of this gray area where you can promote this and you can have a good time. You can have beer sales, but You've got to find some sort of cap or limitation or increase security. You just got to do something where it doesn't become a free-for-all because at some mm-hmm. point it it ceases to become a golf tournament. And you want it to be ultimately, at least for me, I want to see a golf tournament that is a party. That's great. But when it's a party that's a golf tournament, then you're sort of switching things around where you're going to start losing guys. And that would hurt, Right. Ultimately, do you want to go to a, a PGA event where some of the biggest names are like, you know what, I'm tired of this. I don't like the atmosphere. I don't want to be there, so I'm just not going to play. It's not worth it for me because I can't even I can't even make a backswing without someone yelling or there being fights in the gallery. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you get your event and you get a lower rung or you get a lower level of competition because the big names are out. You have to be careful here. Yeah, I think that's have been happening over the years. There are certain guys that don't mm-hmm. want to play in this tournament And that's why, from a betting standpoint, you usually take the younger guys and the guys that don't mind um, the catcalls from, you know, the audience. (laughs) But it was a good matchup or it was a good uh, golf tournament overall. Nick Taylor winning in thrilling fashion in a playoff over Charlie Hoffman, who normally plays well at the Phoenix Open. Here's a headline that caught my eye. Uh, Could we Mm -hmm. becoming could we be becoming one step closer to the Super Bowl on pay-per-view? The way things are going, I wouldn't be shocked because now it looks like Amazon Amazon is set to get yet another 
NFL playoff game. We saw it this year with uh, it was the Dolphins and the Chiefs. That was on Peacock. Uh, now we've got Amazon uh, that's set to broadcast a playoff game this year. So, Jenks, look at the direction this is going. Do you think okay. we'll ever have the Super Bowl on a streaming service? Oh, it's headed that way. It's just a matter of time. It's only a matter of time. And think about the money. Remember when, what was it, this past year, where I think it was, was it Peacock that had an exclusive Peacock. game in the playoffs? Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? And so it was worth it. NBC, I believe, paid $110 million for that to happen. And ultimately, if you're talking about the Super Bowl, how many people would sign up for your streaming service just to get the Super Bowl? I can't even imagine because it's the biggest sporting event on the planet. So I, I think that it may take some time. It's not going to happen immediately, but we're already seeing it start to happen. You know, we're just in the early stages where it eventually ends up there. And so the NFL can act like it's not going to happen. It's going to happen. And that's where we're all, we're, we're all going there, right? We're all headed to streaming. Live sports is the only thing that is keeping cable alive. And even that is starting to falter somewhat. So they can say all they want about how this is a cable event, but no, based on the trends we're already seeing in NFL playoff games, huge games, it's going to go to streaming. We did see Roger Goodell talking to Taylor Swift during the game. Hopefully Taylor was making the case for the Super Bowl to remain on normal basic cable for the rest uh. of us peons. What do you think they were talking about? Do you think it was small talk? Do you think it was anything about yes. the Chiefs? I would love to hear what that conversation had. Oh, it would have been awesome. He probably said something really nerdy like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of 1989. You know, God. something really dorky, trying to get in her good graces. <laughs> oh, God, he probably did some cringy handshake. Now that I'm thinking about it, that definitely happened. All right, hour three kicks off next. Who's going to win the Super Bowl next year? Can the Chiefs make it a three-peat? The odds? Well, they say maybe. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.